Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Can you hear us well now? Yes, is this Richard Chaber again? Oh, this is Ray Palmer. I'll get Richard back to you. All right, thanks very much, Ray. Okay. Thank you. Hello. Yes, uh, we're having a little difficulty with this line. Uh, one of our guests here made the suggestion, I think he's being a little facetious, but I wonder what you thought about it. He thinks that maybe the Darrows are trying to break the connection. That's quite possible. Do you really mean that, sir? I say it's quite possible. You honestly believe that? Oh, yes. I see. Mr. Shaver, I have with me tonight Ellery Lanier, who has been very interested in the uh, Shaver Mysteries, and I also have with me tonight Bob Mantler and Ben Isquith. In about an hour from now, we're going to have Dominique Lucchesi and Augie Roberts. Uh, Augie Roberts and Dominique Lucchesi uh, do a considerable amount of work for uh, Ray Palmer, and uh, they're going to be here with us, but they won't be here in time to talk to you on the phone. But at this point... I'm going to turn the phone over to Ellery Lanier, and I want him to talk with you for a little while. And I would appreciate it very much, Richard, if you'll keep uh, close to the phone and uh, speak up, project a little bit, because our listeners in 27 states are very interested in hearing every word you have to say about the famous Shaver Mysteries. All right, sir? Just a moment, please. Hello, Richard. I, I wanted to ask you something. As I recall, one of your first modes of communication with these beings who live underground was through a sound produced by the flame on your welding torch. Uh, do I remember that correctly? Yes, it was. Uh, I attributed my sensitivity to the field in the welding gun I was using. I see. Uh, how did uh, this come over? Was it a sound that you could hear with your ears when the uh, flame of the torch was in operation? It's a magnetic gun with a powerful uh, solenoid. Yes. And when you press the trigger, I noticed when I press the trigger, I could hear voices, many yes. in the distance. Yes. And uh, that sensitivity increased day by day. Uh, I, figured, I figured that the strong field was stripping the insulation from the nerves of my head. I see. Because I held it right, right close to my head. And, uh, and that's the way I think I became sensitive uh, when it first began at that place. Well, did that, did that happen whenever you had the welding torch in operation and the flame was uh, working? At that time. So was it possible for anyone else to hear a sound from the flame of your torch? I never tried. You, ne you never really knew if someone else heard that, then? No, I didn't. Uh-huh. Well, I wanted to ask you several other things about the, uh, Darrow's. Uh, I, as you have said to John shortly, there are some that are good and some that are bad. That's right. Uh, so that I, w I was going to ask you whether they were basically nasty. But uh, according to what you say, they're, they're equally good and bad. Well, yes, uh, that there is an inverted personality, rather common down there, and it's an old cult. The 
the, the demon is Trump. Yes. And they, they raise them that way. I see. Children. Uh, do you have any idea of what the population uh, quantity or the number of the population of Adairos is at the present time? It's uh, not very many, something like 100,000 the way I get it. About 100,000. And uh, these these underground uh, sort of caverns or uh, layer on layer that you described that are inhabited by the Deiros, are they uh, concentrated in any particular areas under the earth? Well, there is a pattern to them, but it's uh, it's too complicated to go into. They're practically worldwide. Uh, do they go under the oceans? Some of them do. There are passages under the ocean, yes. Uh, I was very concerned about one one thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, whether there are any caverns located under the city of New York. As far as I know, there are. Wherever, wherever the rock is old and solid, yes, you'll find them. Well, we have some very solid granite uh, rock under the uh, island of Manhattan that has made it possible for these uh, huge buildings to uh, be built. Well, and, I should uh, say there were about 200 watts rays listening to you right now. I beg pardon? I should say that we're about 200 watts rays listening to you right now. Yes. Oh, you mean the ones that are right in this area? That's right. Uh-huh. Well, uh, do, you, do they ever, uh, uh, to your knowledge, come through under a place like Grand Central Station, for example, in these very deep uh, underground passageways? Yes, they have connections with the surface. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, they're very secret. It's just a very secret group, very exclusive group. Yes. Uh, do you know whether they ever come down, come out into the uh, subway tunnels of the city? I think so. You do? Uh, has that happened recently, do you know? <laughs> All the time. All the time. They have to have a source of supply. They have I to don't buy food. I don't follow you on that. They must buy food. Oh, you mean they come up into the city to buy food? That's right. I see. Uh, do you mean they don't produce any of their food down below? I wasn't. I didn't know that. Oh, they do produce a little in hydroponics, but not enough. I see. Uh, I wanted to uh, ask you where their largest concentration was. Is it here in under the United States? Are they the uh, greatest amount of them, or are they equally spread? Well, they're pretty thinly spread. They they keep a watch over every important center. Uh, mainly uh, to ward off any threat to their dominance. You say you say that there were about uh, approximately about a hundred thousand of them at the present time. That's right. Uh huh. Be under uh, New York City, for example, would be a very small portion, a very small part of that hundred thousand. In other words, we just have a, a local group here. We, we wouldn't have a large concentration here then. Well, you'd be surprised. Uh, can't you tell us about that, or is this, is this a secret? Well, there's no one man can know too much about it. it it's a very complicated and deadly thing. Yes. You can know a little, but you can't know very much. Uh, I want to ask you, are there any of them under uh, Washington, D.C.? Oh, yes. And do, do, they, uh, do they have to come up into the city and to Washington, D.C. to get food supplies, too? I wouldn't know. You don't know about that, I see. I would say it was only in the port. Uh-huh. Uh, can you tell me, Richard, uh, about the heat under underground? Uh, are they used to the high temperatures uh, down high below? Pardon? There's very little high temperature. Oh, there's very little high temperature? Oh, uh, it runs between 50 and 60. 
That's an accident. Well, Mr. Shader, let me talk with Ray Palmer again for a couple of minutes, if you will, please. Hello. Hello, Ray? Yeah. Yes. Ray, some time ago, we had a young man on the program just about a year ago, uh, a young man who writes science fiction. Yes. And he made the statement that he met you at a convention, a science fiction writer's convention a few years back. That is correct. And uh, you know who I'm referring to? Yes, I do. Harlan Ellison. That's right. He made the statement on the program here that you told him that the uh, that the Shaver Mysteries were all fiction and that you published them just to create good circulation for amazing stories. Well, I think now that that demands uh, an explanation which I think I can give you. Well, will you try, please? When I went to that convention, I was very sick. Mm-hmm. I was invited to the convention and uh, made the trip in spite of being ill. Now, when I got there, I expected to receive, uh, uh, what I'd say, a courteous reception. And instead, I met with a group which I, uh, which I believe uh, was mostly linked with Mr. Ellison, when apparently decided that they were going to badger me. I see. Now, they kept asking uh, questions which, uh, actually, you can't answer without... Uh, uh, it's a sort of a question to do you still beat your wife? Mm-hmm. I understand. So in exasperation, finally, when he confronted me in this elevator, I said, well, what do you want me to answer to the question? And he said, the truth. I said, well, you, I've told you the truth, and you haven't accepted it, so my only alternative is to tell you what you want to hear, that this is entirely fiction, and that it was done for the purpose of raising circulation. Now, this was done in what uh, you might say was anger. It was done also as sarcasm. And it was done to rid myself of these, this group which intended to follow me the whole, the whole uh, uh, convention. And uh, uh, apparently uh, were having a great deal of fun out of badgering me. They had no intentions of... Uh, of giving me a chance to get have a fair say on the thing. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that is the actual conditions in my statements to Mr. Ellison. I've had uh, several run-ins with Mr. Ellison since, and uh, one of them came about as a result of his appearance on your program, and uh, I did at that time tell him that, uh, that uh, my statements to him in that elevator were, were in, the, in the vein that which I just described to you. I see. I think you could easily understand it. Uh, I don't believe that uh, it is necessary to give an honest answer to a person who uh, doesn't give you the courtesy I see. of, uh, of uh, the chance to give you an honest answer. Uh, actually, uh, I don't think that anybody would be... Uh, uh, against an editor trying to increase the circulation of a magazine. Well, I want to clarify that, too. Yes. I wasn't hired by Ziff Davis to, uh, uh, to, uh, to get a lot of returns. Mm-hmm. I was hired to sell magazines. Mm-hmm. And I realized from the very beginning that the Shaver Mystery was a thing that would sell magazines. Mm-hmm. We had a circulation of around 50,000 when I took this thing over. And, uh, 
It was 135000 when I got hold of the Shaver Mystery. And overnight, we raised it 50000 to 185000 which is a sensational figure for a fiction magazine of that type. Uh, Ray, was that accomplished in just one month? In other words, we'll say... It was accomplished in one month, the March 1945 issue of Amazing Story. March 45. That's right. Well, the circulation at that time was about 50,000? Oh, the circulation at that time was 135,000. Oh, in other words, the, the month prior to that... Yes. Uh, it, it was uh, around 50,000. That's right. So oh. in one month, you, you jumped that amount of circulation. Oh, uh, and uh, when I took it over in, in 38, it was 50,000. I see. And when I, when, uh, in 1945, it was 135,000. Mm -hmm. In March, when we ran that first issue, it jumped to 185,000 and stayed there for four years. Did you present the Shaver Mysteries as being uh, true stories? Yes, I did. Did you believe it at the time? I did, yes. Do you still believe that they're true stories? I know it now. You know it now? Yes, I know it. That's an interesting comment coming from you, Ray Palmer. Yes, it is. A it's very a interesting that I, comment. I could not make uh, in, out of deference to my employers while I was working for them. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you, if you could give us a couple of reasons why you believe so firmly now that the Shaver Mysteries are based on, on the fact, not fiction. Well, I can give you, I can start out with the initial reason. I visited Mr. Shaver in Pennsylvania. I wanted to hear his voices, and I did. Uh, when was this, sir? This was in 19... Uh, Before the 50s. Well, yes, it was about 46, early about, 46. About four. Now, I would like to take this step by step, right? You tell me now that uh, you visited Richard Shaver in Pennsylvania, and you heard the voices? That's right. Where did this happen? I don't mean what town, but was this inside or outside Mr. Shaver's home? This was inside his home. What part of his home? It was in a bedroom, a bedroom on the upper floor where I was, uh, where I was uh, placed to sleep. You were a guest of Mr. Shaver. That's right. And was Mr. Shaver in the room during the time you heard the voice? He was in the adjoining bedroom and he was fast asleep. Was this during the night or the day hours? It was during the night. It was about 2.30 uh, in the morning. I wonder if you could describe this to us. What actually happened, Ray Powell? Yes, I can. I went up to this bedroom and went, uh, went, uh, got into bed. Now, in order to reach this bedroom, you have to pass through Mr. Shaver's bedroom. There is no way out of that bedroom except through Mr. Shaver's bedroom. Yes. So once in there, I was in for good. Well, Mr. Shaver went to bed immediately and uh, apparently uh, went to sleep the minute he hit the pillow. Now, uh, Mrs. Shaver remained downstairs, I think feeding chickens or doing something. Anyway, cleaning up. We've been having coffee. And she was down there for around an hour before she came up. Yes. Now, uh... Almost immediately after Mr. Shaver went to sleep, I began hearing voices. There were four or five voices. And they all... Were they, pardon me, Ray Palmer, were they all different voices? They were all different voices. Male or female voices? There were male and female. I see. Continue, There was please. a male voice, a very deep, rough voice. 
There was a female voice. I say a, a, a sort of youngish woman. Yes. There was a child's voice, uh, which you might say four or five years old. Yes. And there was another man's voice. So the subject of their conversation was very interesting because they were describing an event that had taken place that afternoon at 4 o'clock around four miles away, that is, in a downward direction. Four miles away from the Shaver's home in Pennsylvania? Four miles away and four miles down. What do you mean by four miles... What do you mean by four miles away and four miles down? Well, four miles horizontally and four miles vertically. Four miles vertically? That's right. In other words, four miles below the surface of the Earth. Something happened that afternoon at four o'clock? That's right. Can you tell us what they claim? A woman was torn in four quarters. A woman was torn in four quarters. That is right. These people who were discussing it felt that this was a terrible thing and should not happen. But they felt they were helpless about it. There's nothing they could do about it. And, Who was uh, it? Pardon me a moment, Mr. Palmer. Yes? Uh, were these voices that, that uh, you heard, uh, are these supposed to be Daryl's? They were supposed to be Carol's. Carol's? That's right, the good people. The good people are Carol's and the bad people are Daryl's. That's right. Now, they, the Carol's, this is during the, during the early hours of the morning. That's right. They talked to you in Richard Shaver's room where you were a guest. They told you they that... They were discussing it among themselves, and I overheard. Well, they were not talking to you. No. Well, where were, where were they at the time that you heard these voices? I had no idea of their location, except that I heard the voices in Mr. Shaver's room. And they did not know that you were listening. Yes, they did, because I, I uh, interjected myself into the conversation. And what did you say to them? I said, what is this all about? I would like an explanation. And why would they, why would they want to explain this to you? Well, they didn't want to. The, uh, the uh, voice of the child, apparently, the four-year-old child, said, pay no attention to him. He's a dope. A four-year-old child made this statement. That, uh, well, his voice sounded to be a four-year-old child. But it's obvious that it must have been an older person. Well, uh, no, I don't think so. Do you think a four-year-old child would use that language or even know what the, the word meant in the manner in which it's being used or was being used? I think that this child knows. Do you think that the Carols and the Darrows are superior? I'm saying that she was four years old. Yes. She might have been five. She might have been six. I see. It seems from the, uh, the tenor of the voice that uh, was very similar to the voice of a four-year-old child. Well, Mr. Palmer, after you, in other words, now that you've, uh, you've heard, you've had this experience, you've heard these voices, they told you something that happened four miles away from Shaver's home and four miles down. Yes. Have you ever checked this to find out if this did happen? Well, I haven't. I haven't had facilities for digging that deep, and I didn't know in which direction, of course, but uh, I don't know how you would check it. I asked them if it was true, and they said yes. Well, now, I, I certainly don't want to discredit Mr. Shaver. I've never had the pleasure of meeting him personally. I've never had the pleasure of meeting you. But we are on the air now, and I'm interviewing you, and I know that our listeners automatically would want me to ask this question.
that Mr. Shaver was perpetrating a hoax on you. I, I was perfectly aware of the fact that he might be. That is one of the reasons I came. You mean I, you, that, that's I why you went to his home in uh, Pennsylvania? Yes. Well, I think that uh, that I rather I rather uh, insulted my host by what I did while I was there. Because what did I you do, sir? thoroughly for uh, hidden uh, microphones and things like that. Mm -hmm. I found absolutely nothing. Now, I, I considered that Mr. Shaver might have been doing this himself, except I doubt that one man can can uh, imitate four voices simultaneously. I doubt that, too. I, I, I'm sure it's impossible. Uh, Mr. Palmer, we uh, you're not familiar with the way we handle these interviews up here, but I'm sitting at a table and I have a group of people sitting around. They all have headsets on and they're listening to both sides of the conversation. In other words, my guests up here are hearing uh, just what our listeners uh, in 27 states are hearing this morning. Yes, now, I have, met, they are. I have Ben Iskowitz with me and Bob Mantler and Ellery Lanier and Ellery uh, would like to uh, be able to talk with you for a few minutes. I'll be very happy to talk to you. All right, just one moment. And let me remind our listeners that this is WOR Radio, your station in New York, 710 on the dial. We're talking with Mr. Ray Palmer. Ray Palmer is the editor and publisher of Flying Saucers from Other Worlds, is also publisher of Search Magazine. He is the former editor of Amazing Stories, and he has with him in Amherst, uh, Wisconsin this morning, Ray, uh, Richard Shaver, rather, I'm sorry. Uh, Richard Shaver is the author of the famous Shaver Mysteries, and we want to get as much information as possible. I can uh, readily appreciate the fact that possibly some of our listeners may be a little confused at this time because the quality of this broadcast certainly is not top this morning, but we've had a little difficulty as far as our connection is concerned. But we hope that you'll bear with us and listen because I think that this will be extremely interesting to all of our listeners, and I can assure you that this is the very first time that anybody has ever had the opportunity of interviewing Richard Shaver on radio or television. This is the first time, and we're very grateful to Ray Palmer, who made this possible. Uh, I'm going to uh, have uh, Ellery Lanier talk to you now, Ray. Just a moment, please. Hello, Ray Palmer. Yes, hello. Uh, good to talk to you. I look forward to meeting you sometime. Uh, Ray? Uh, I have something rather serious to ask you about the Shaver mystery, and uh, this concerns a novel by Lord Bower Lighton, yes. uh, called The Coming Race, which was uh, written uh, somewhat about a little more than half a century ago, in which there is a description of a miner who went down into a very deep shaft and uh, came across some huge caverns and canyons and found uh, civilizations of uh, people who had been living there since a flood that preceded the biblical flood. Yes. And the rumors that I have heard concerning this, uh, this, uh, the Shaver mystery were that uh, Mr. Shaver practically lifted the story out of Uber Lighton's novel, The Coming Race. Uh, 
do you have any uh, way of repudiating such a rumor? Well, I can't repudiate it except to say that I don't think he did. Now, uh, if, if these caverns do exist, and uh, other people through the through the centuries have had the same experiences as Mr. Shaver, it is conceivable that Mr. Bulwer Lytton, or from whomever he got the story, might have had a similar experience. Yes. The existence of these stories doesn't mean that Richard uh, lifted them, because I can point to dozens of other uh, books of uh, the very same uh, uh, subject. There's the book called Eldorfa, if you remember. Yes. Well, he could have lifted it from that. Yes. There's a book called The Waspy. He could have lifted it from that. Yes. Now, uh, you can go on. You can list uh, thousands of instances of ancient legends, the legends of the caverns of hell and so on, uh, all of which you could say were something that Richard lifted this from. You can go on. You can list uh, thousands of instances of ancient legends, the legends of the caverns of hell and so on, uh, all of which you could say were something that Richard lifted this from. Yes. But to my mind, all of these things which we dug up later and continually uh, are digging up today uh, are, what I say, a corroboration of his story rather than indications that he lifted it in any, any specific book. Well, that, that, that makes sense. I, I follow you there, uh, Ray. I wanted to ask you what, uh, I, I can't recall at the moment, what was the name of the energy uh, that was used by the Daros? Can you refresh my memory on that? Well, there, there, there are several energies. Maybe, maybe Richard himself can tell you more about the energies. Yes. Uh, uh, do you want to talk to him about this? Uh, he, he seems anxious to tell you. Sure. The, the, their main name for, for the energies they used was Ulegra. Uh, I suspect that our word elected came from that word, Ulegra. How do you, how would I spell that? Uh, U-L-E-G-R-A. Ulegra. And you say that was something similar to electricity? Well, they, uh, they, they, they used a, a magnetic flow that is not like our electric. Yes. It's, it's more similar to the electric generated by the body cells. Oh, you mean sort of a living organic electricity? That's right. And uh, almost all their machinery was operated with, with some variation of that current because it is not healthy to use anything else. Uh, Richard, uh, there is something I think you can you can enlighten me about uh, within the uh, within the confines of propriety. If you understand what I mean by that, uh, I recall in one account of the uh, life underground there was a uh, means by which a human being could be dipped into a large glass tank of a certain kind of fluid which had certain vibrations running through this fluid. And uh, this was used occasionally to test a couple who were contemplating marriage to see whether their vibrations uh, were simultaneous. Is that the, is the same type of energy you were referring to? Is that the Ulegra energy? Well... Uh, that, that particular incident was, was, was largely invention. I don't know too much about it. Uh, uh, you must remember, I've had an awful fund of information run through my head, and, and uh, I couldn't retain all of it. 
Is that true? I would say about 10 to 1. Really? How do they replenish them? Do they keep kidnapping people all the time? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I understand that in the ancient uh, times, slaves would uh, produce children and offspring, which the owners would uh, have as future slaves. And is it possible that the Daryls are doing that, do that sort of thing uh, with American citizens? Well, I think the FBI sends them a few now and then. Uh, would you repeat that, Richard? I didn't, I didn't quite get that. I, I mean... I mean, when the FBI tries to investigate them, the, the agents disappear. You mean there are FBI agents that have been kidnapped and I taken would think so, but They wouldn't. How, how can that be possible? <laughs> Let's not go into that too far. All right. Uh, can uh, I talk to Ray Palmer a moment, uh, Richard? Yes. Otherwise, give away their existence. But if we 
somebody's going to dig a hole four miles deep in the earth to find a growth. Right. All right. Well, I take care of Mr. Angelucci. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a, 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 a statement here, which I think uh, will raise quite a fuss among the, among the science uh, fiction fans and the flying saucer fans and the psychic fans, and particularly among the, the uh, followers of George Adamski. Yes. I don't mean to say that George Adamski is a liar. Right. I, I respect the man. I think that uh, what he what he says in his book has a very good uh, human message, and certainly the world would be a better place to live in if people lived the way he, his solutions say we should. But here's a fact about Mr. Adamski, which isn't generally known, and which I haven't publicized to a great extent for the simple reason that uh, uh, I don't believe it would do any any uh, any good to uh, to really attack him. So I'm not attacking him in the sense that I want to do him any harm. Right. But when I was the editor of Amazing Stories back in about 
and uh, that you said they recently got into such uh, devilish stunts as tearing a woman into quarters? Somebody had, had slipped up. 
Let us say that uh, somebody who was on guard should have protected me from this momentary uh, uh, opportunity to pick me up and throw me down. You mean the sparrow? And, and he uttered the, the customary exclamation in that case, an exclamation of dismay. Well, I was certainly dismayed. As, as the hours passed in the hospital, I kept thinking about this. It grew more and more in my mind that uh, this was just an accident. I had slipped and fallen, and all the other things were, uh, were hallucinations. Were hallucinations? But several days later, my wife was talking to me in the hospital, and she said, you know, it was a funny thing, but it seemed to me as though you were picked up and thrown down very hard. Now, I had not mentioned a word to her of this. I felt that was almost certain confirmation that I had been picked up. Now, it wasn't the first time that I had experienced uh, energies of this kind. I can remember an instance where I woke up and find my, found myself floating in the air. And it was several minutes before I could reach, reach the, uh, the surface of the bed again. In other words, there's a group of terrorists who are trying to get you, or a group of terrorists protecting you. It, that, that sounds rather egotistic, doesn't it? But it, it may well be true. Uh, Ray, can you hold it for just a moment, please? Hello, Ray? Yes? Uh, just hold it for a moment, please. Right. Uh, Retriever. Uh, they're out in Amherst, Wisconsin. This is the first time that, uh, people have had the opportunity of hearing Richard Shaver, and we're finding out as much as possible about the Darrows and the Taros. And I'd like to take just a moment to talk about one of our sponsors. Both of these gentlemen are out in Amherst, Wisconsin. Uh, we have found from time to time that uh, uh, their voices faded out a little bit, but if you'll stick with us, I think we'll have a very interesting discussion. This is the only way we can talk to these two gentlemen is by telephone. And I have with me at the studio this morning Bob Mantler, Dave Fields, Ben Isquith, and Ellery Lanier. Ellery Lanier is the fact editor of Fantastic Science Fiction. Hello, Ray. Yes, uh, just one moment. Ben wants to continue this conversation a little more with you. Right. Just one moment, please. Palmer? Yes. So, uh, before, before uh, I answer that uh, it seems that a bunch of Daryls are actually trying to, uh, to to get to you. Well, uh, and a bunch of Daryls are, are uh, fighting them and protecting you. It would seem, it would seem so. I'd like, I'd like to explain something right here which may be of interest to you and especially to Long John. You know, uh, saying things like this is like inviting a bunch of psychiatrists to drop in on you and prove that you're insane and wouldn't be difficult to do. Uh, so when I, when I make these statements to you now, it is out of respect to Long John because I feel that he is one of the most honest reporters on the air. And when he asked me for the truth, I thought, well, maybe I ought to give it to him. These things are being told you in, in, in all sincerity, but with the knowledge that I know many of your readers or listeners or many of the people uh, concerned with this thing are going to come out of it convinced that, that I am actually insane. I'm, I'm, I'm not of that opinion, but I'm certainly extremely puzzled. Has, uh, Mr. Shaver mentioned something before about they, they, uh, uh, 
the Daryls are shipping shipping their equipment out into outer space by means of sources. I, I think uh, the, the equipment he referred to in, in the uh, Schaefer articles were mixed. Why? Why are they are they making a mass exodus of space? I don't believe that, that, uh, that uh, either you or Mr. Shaver determined that uh, exactly correctly. I don't think the Daryls or the Terrells are making any exodus. I think they are helpless to make any such an exodus. You mean, you think they're actually bound within the regions where they live? They, they are not only bound, but many of them are trying to defend themselves from losing these possessions. And that uh, at times, uh, very heated battles do go on. Between who? Between the invaders from space who are cutting this stuff away and so the invaders are they wish to retain it. The, you mean the, inv the invaders know the existence of... Uh, of oh, yes. The Earth is known all through space as the great tomb. That is, it is the planet where vast civilizations existed in the future, uh, or in the past, and where uh, all these uh, abandoned machinery, which uh, are almost imperishable in nature, are still in good condition. And uh, those that are not in good condition are extremely valuable as, as antiques and curios. Are, are they taking any any of the uh, the machinery from the surface of the earth? I don't think that they would consider the surface machinery of any value. In other words, the Daryl's machinery is, is that much more uh, greater. Yes, I, I have my plan to agree with them when I think of my wash machine and various other uh, equipment. These invaders, in other, in other words, you say that we actually do have, the Earth is actually has been invaded by people from outer space. Do you, uh, do you know where they come from? Well, it's hard to say where they come from because... I mean, is it in our solar system? What? Is it in our solar system? I think, uh, I think not. I think it's very further than that. To another galaxy? Possible. I'm inclined to think, too, that, uh, that it may even be from, uh, uh, what we may facetiously term another dimension. A fourth dimension? Well, not a fourth, but let us say a sort of parallel universe. In other words, a coexisting universe. Shaver doesn't agree with me at all. Oh, so the dispute you on this. I'm only giving you a theory of mine. I was uh, wondering about the point that uh, Mr. Shaver went into, that sometimes the Daryls come up to the surface, and one of their reasons was to forage for food. Yes. Now, do these beings, which seem to be... Uh, uh, extremely malevolent, but extremely powerful, actually need food? I mean, they can't manufacture their own, or do, do they need food? Well, you must understand the picture down there. Uh, there, are, there, are the, uh, uh, there are the powerful ones who are the rulers who enslave all the rest, and who deny them all of the, all the wonderful things which they keep to themselves. So these are derelict derelicts. Yes. And so the derelicts must sneak out and, and even forage for such things as firewood. They go out for firewood? Yes. You mean in the civilization of fantastic machinery, they, they actually need firewood? Well, uh, let us let us let us compare it with with the feudal lords who lived in in magnificence in their castles, whereas their slaves just outside the moat did have to forage for uh, for roots and branches and things like that, and uh, animal dung and so on to burn to keep warm. Okay, four miles that four miles underneath the surface of the earth, do you actually need firewood to keep warm? Well, uh, let us let us put it this way. Uh, four miles is not a specific distance. I only mentioned that because that is the distance that was mentioned to me in this conversation I overheard. Well, I mean four miles or greater, anyway. Well, four miles or less too. You mentioned before about your uh, 
you have a general disbelief in the contact stories, although you do believe that the Earth has been uh, invaded. Well, I think these contact stories largely are uh, are deliberate uh, projections which are designed to confuse uh, the issue. You thought they were psychic manifestations. Well, uh, what is a psychic manifestation? So the thing I wanted to ask you, have, have, uh, I, I imagine you have, but I, I wanted to... Have you got... I mean, gone over and actually uh, to the point that uh, that uh, the Shaver mysteries and the uh, the voices you have heard and that Richard Shaver has heard might be psychic manifestations. You have to, you have to decide whether the Shaver is right and the caverns exist and all these things that we see, ghosts and poltergeists and uh, all mysterious happenings that we call psychic phenomena are not just uh, the, the cavern people using their wonderful machines to uh, produce these illusions. Ray, I could go on like this for weeks, but uh, I know that you've been up all day and you've had a rather busy day, and uh, I think we'll have to wrap it up. I, I want to say thanks to you and to Richard Shaver for joining us this morning, and uh, I sincerely hope that uh, if you the opportunity of coming into New York that you certainly know that you'll be more than welcome to sit in front of these microphones and tell us some of these interesting stories and theories that you have. Well, that that certainly uh, will do if we possibly can. Uh, I realize that on a program uh, this type and uh, with such a short notice, it's possible only to be uh, sensational and vague and, and touch only at your spot. And uh, perhaps leave everybody in more confusion than when they started. Well, maybe sometime in the near future we'll talk to you on the phone again. Well, we'd be happy to do this anytime you want to do it. All right. Thank you very, very much, and uh, uh, extend my thanks to uh, uh, Richard Shaver, too. I'll do that. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you for listening to it and for a complete list of tapes about UFOs and related subjects. Also, books about UFOs, write to Gray Barker, Box 2228, Clarksburg, West Virginia, 26301. Thank you very much again for listening, and good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.